first scripture is going to come from the book of Genesis this morning. And if you can read with me on the screens, it's Genesis 3, verses 8 to 15, and then chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Um, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I have heard, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So the expression is that promises are a dime a dozen, and I refute that. Promises are a penny a dozen. We are surrounded by promises of every sort in every variety from all sorts of people all over the place. Promise, 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 promise. We're about to enter into 2020, a campaign election year. All we're going to hear for the next 11 months, and it's already started, is promise, 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 promise. I promise that you're going to live without having to pay taxes, right? Because this this is what politicians promise. They promise utopia. No taxes. Simultaneously, free health care for everyone. At the same time, free college for everyone. And on top of that, a smartphone for you. And here's one for you and one for you. And a smartphone for you and a smartphone for everyone. This is what the politicians are trying to peddle and promise utopia. Well, 2020 is right around the corner. More promises because it's time for New Year's resolutions. So here come all the diet gurus on Facebook and, you know, on the commercials and whatnot. And some dude has discovered the way to, to find your best you, a healthy you, the best body that you can uh, attain because they figured out the right combination of intermittent fasting with this South Beach, Atkins, Paleo, Keto diet, you know, this Keto Southkins thing where, you know, you, you eat once a week, and then on the third week, you drink like cucumber juice. And somehow, 
if you do that, they promise a brand new you. They promise that you will lower your cholesterol and your blood pressure, and you will go from the before picture until the after picture. Promise, promise, promise. It's all we hear constantly. And a promise can be a good thing, but you know what's better than a promise? A promise that's kept. A promise that's kept is so much better than just a promise. So Christmas really is the celebration about a kept promise. That is what we celebrate this time of the year. Uh, The first two chapters of the Bible is this amazing, beautiful scene. This garden, it's picturesque. Everything is perfect. The universe and everything is in harmony. Like everything is wonderful. The first parents, the first humans, Adam and Eve, It is a perfect relationship between them. They're eating of the fruit that God has provided. Everything is wonderful. On top of those kind of wonderful earthly things that they got to enjoy, they had closeness with God, which was what it was all about. They had fellowship and communion with God, and so it was really, really good. Well, as the story goes, we only get into the third chapter, just the third chapter of the Bible, and tragedy strikes. Like those first two people, Adam and Eve, they do the one thing God said not to do. He gave one instruction, one command, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what do they do? They eat of the one tree that God said don't eat of, right? They partook of it, so they neglected the command. They ignored the command, and through that one simple act of disobedience and rebellion, through that, death entered the world. And so what now marks human life is despair, In affliction, fear, brokenness, a lot of hopelessness, a lot of hurting, all because of what took place through that one sin. And, and, you know, we, we gripe and we grumble and we complain about these things that we now all have to endure. The sicknesses and the passing of loved ones, all because sin exists. But you know what the real tragedy is? The broken relationship with God. Like the, the, the closeness and the communion that we so desire with the Lord was broken through that one act in the Garden of Eden. But God is not easily hindered from what he wants to accomplish. There was a plan even before Genesis chapter 1. There was a plan before the garden was created. A plan before the foundations of the earth where God wanted to create a people and he wanted a possession for himself. He wanted to secure people for his own possession, a people to love and who would love him. So as, as I like to call it, there is a golden thread that weaves its way through the pages of the Bible. And it's simply God saying, I will be their God and you shall be my people. And that phrase, that sentence, you see it in Genesis, you see it throughout the Old Testament, you see it in the pages of the New Testament, and you even see it in the last book of the Bible, in Revelation. So throughout Scripture, there is that statement that explains why God created everything. I want a people. I want to be your God, and I want you to be my people. And so then, this is what brings hope. Because God had a plan Even when we sinned, he made a promise. I will make 
all things right. I will make all things well. So in Genesis chapter 3, as was just read in verse 15, God promised to send a Messiah, a Savior, one who would crush the head of the serpent, who would defeat the enemy, the devil, the one who tricked Eve and who tempted Adam to to forsake the command of the Lord. And in Genesis 12, as was just read in verses 2 and 3, God promised that that one who would come would be a descendant of the line of Abram. He would be the one who would bless the entire world. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, God promised that the one that he would send would be a descendant of King David. And he would sit on his throne, his everlasting kingdom. So he would be a king. And then in Isaiah 9, 6, we're told what kind of king he will be, what kind of ruler. We're told his name shall be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah 35, God promised that he would send one who would bring sight to the blind and he would bring healing to the lame and he would bring relief to our fears and he would bring salvation to the world. In Isaiah chapter 7 in verse 14, it says that God promised that the one who would come would be born of a virgin. His name would be Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. He's the promised one. He's the promised one. So it wasn't too long ago, my little boy who's sitting on the front row today, uh, he is this incredible cookie monster. There is no one on the planet that enjoys a cookie more than Emmett. I do actually truly believe that. And so he has this thing about cookies. And one day he asked, the way he always does, Daddy, can I have a cookie? And I was busy at the time, and I said, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll get you one. When? Later. You promise? <laughs> yeah, buddy, I promise. And for the entire rest of the day, every 20 minutes, Daddy, can I have my cookie? Daddy, can I have my cookie? All day, all day, all day. Daddy, can I, and, and it's, you know, life is happening, and it's busy, and, you know, I'll get him his cookie, but he just needs to be patient, right? And so uh, because the day was crazy, he went to bed, and he didn't get his cookie that day. And so nothing wrong, nothing bad. He just didn't get his cookie that day. Well, he woke up, I'm talking like 4 a.m., comes into my room, wakes me up, and says, Daddy, can I have my cookie? (laughs) Yeah, now you're not getting it. And I share that to say, like, isn't it one of the most difficult things to just wait on a promise? It's so hard to just wait on a promise. The entire Old Testament, really, if you want to just get it down to its bare essential, it's the waiting of God's people on God to keep his promise. That's what it is. And so we're about to sing a song that is written from the perspective of a people waiting on God to fulfill a promise, waiting for God to restore them, uh, the God's people out of exile, to, to bring relief to affliction, to make things right, to bring salvation into the world. And so today in 2019, we sing knowing that the promise was fulfilled, right? We sing knowing that God kept his promise. So we sing with one eye looking back, but then at the same time, we also sing with one eye looking forward because 
yeah, there was a promise that got fulfilled 2,000 years ago, but there's another part of that promise that's yet to be fulfilled. So we look back and we look forward. And so let's stand. I'm going to ask you all to stand. and I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing a song here that just is a calling out to the Lord. Lord, keep your promise. Keep your promise. Lord, thank you so much for this holiday that we celebrate, this Christmas that we celebrate. Lord, that shows that you are faithful and true that you keep your word and that your plans cannot be thwarted. You love us. You did send your son, the Messiah, the Christ, that we may live in the midst of your grace and in your mercy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
You may be seated. Good morning. I'll be reading from Matthew 1, 18 through 23, and you can read along with me with the verses on the screen. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. So Christmas is a strange celebration. For those of us who actually know what Christmas is, it really should be interesting, if not bizarre, that we celebrate Christmas with parties and tinsel and eggnog. Or my invention, that you add chocolate to it, and therefore it's called chocnog. <laughs> Patent pending. It re I, I really do think that it might be more appropriate to celebrate Christmas instead of with like blinking lights and claymation specials and all that kind of stuff. That it might be more appropriate for us to celebrate Christmas with sackcloth and ashes. Because here's the story. A baby's born. That child is the son of God. He's born. He's wrapped, swaddled laid in the manger. Now, does the story end there? That child grows up and becomes who Scripture refers to as a man of sorrows. We're, we're told seven centuries before Jesus came in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 53, starting at verse 2, it says, For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of the ground. He had no form of majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. And we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
He was oppressed and he was afflicted, and yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off of the land of the living, stricken, for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. This is what we celebrate at Christmas. This child who was born, who grew up to be smitten and oppressed, afflicted of man of sorrows, this baby grows up And takes our sin upon himself. This baby is born and grows up and takes our pain upon himself. And he takes our judgment upon himself. We should look at swaddled Jesus a little bit differently maybe than we normally do. Cute little baby in a manger with cattle and sheep around. And that child grew up and was crucified. Christmas, is it not the exchange of gifts? Like, isn't that what we do at Christmas? And, and we like exchanging gifts, all of us do. We, we like receiving and giving gifts so much that we have even invented games. So, White Elephant and Secret Santa. But that's how much we enjoy gift giving and gift receiving. And it's all well and good and it's fine, nothing wrong with it. There is an art and a science to exchanging gifts, I do believe. Because you don't want to be the person that's the cheapskate that spends only five bucks and the other person spent 500 because you look bad. And I tell you, I don't want to be the other one that spent 500 when I only got $5 gift in return. I don't want to be that guy. So the art and science is to try to give and receive very equitably, right, proportionately. Like, that's the art and the science of the exchanging. Well, at Christmas, I think we celebrate the exchange of gifts, but there is nothing equitable and nothing proportionate about what we have given and about what it is that we've received. We have gifted Jesus our sin. That is our gift to the Lord, my sin. And Jesus... That baby that was swaddled in that manger grew up and he willingly said, I will take that. He willingly received that. He could have given us judgment, but he chose to give us mercy. So in that great exchange, he took our sin and gave us righteousness. Folks, that is what we celebrate at at Christmas. That's the gift that we've received. That is what the angel proclaimed to Joseph. He said, she, Mary, your betrothed, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And that is why we don't celebrate Christmas with ashes and sackcloth. And that is why we do celebrate Christmas with parties and joy and gladness. 
Because even though that child, we know what he grew up to become, a man of sorrows. And although we do know the horror that he went through on the cross on our behalf, we know that he did so that we may receive forgiveness and grace and mercy and know the Lord Almighty. That's what we celebrate at Christmas, that Jesus came on a mission of mercy. So, as we've quoted so many times this year, Lamentations chapter 3, 22 and 23 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Jesus is the new mercies. He is the new mercy. He is the new mercy of all new mercies. And in Christ are found all of God's new mercies. So all these new mercies that we want, I want strength, Lord. I want wisdom. I want grace. I want, I want you. I want your presence. All of those daily new mercies are found in faith in Jesus. He is the new mercy through whom all of the others come through. So if our faith is in Jesus, if we're followers of Christ, if we know we're forgiven of our sin because of what that child grew up to do for us, if that is true, let us today give him a new gift. What about we sing him a new song, as scripture would tell us? What if our gift to him now is the gift of praise, heartfelt joy and thankfulness for him coming into this world, growing up, and doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. So again, I'm going to ask you to stand. And we're going to sing, thank you, Lord, again for your word and your truth. Lord, thank you for this wonderful story of this child that was born. And who that child was and what that child grew to do. Lord, thank you so much. And now we offer to you from the depths of our soul joy and gratitude and humility that you have loved us so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Silent away.
verses Luke chapter 2, 8 through 14, and you can follow along on the screens. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So there was a holy night 2,000 years ago, two millennia ago, a holy night, a night set apart and distinct from any other other night ever, a night in which the mercy of God invaded this world. And on that night, as as the story goes, there are these lowly, humble shepherds, and they're out watching their flocks by night when suddenly an angel of God appears before them and makes this pronouncement. He's like, I have good news of great joy. And that good news is that God has kept a promise. That's the news. 
God has kept his promise. So this long-awaited Savior, Messiah, Christ, the promised one, has come into the world. And so the news is so good. The news is so exquisite. It's so spectacular that, you know, it actually required more than one angel showing up. So a host, a multitude of angels are dispatched from heaven. And the, it's almost like the, the, the space between heaven and earth is cracked open. Here comes this praise team from, from heaven and it comes down to earth. And they say, glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those with whom God is pleased. Now, the text doesn't say this. So for the scholars, seminarians in the room, allow me a little license. The text doesn't say this, but I don't know that the angels so much said it as much as they probably sang it. You know, salvation has come into the world. God has kept his promise. Sin, death, darkness, sickness, despair, tears, and sorrow are about to be a thing of the past. I believe that they sang that out. So here was a praise team from heaven, only second to our own. And they lead a worship service on that night out in the middle of the field with a congregation of shepherds. Just singing of the greatness of God and singing that God is the God of glory and of grace. Singing that God is the promise keeper and that he has gifted his son to the world. And I do believe that it's fitting that actually this took place at night as opposed to the day. It's fitting because this is what God does. He shines light in darkness. This is God's business. This is what he does. Where we are suffering, he shines light. Where we are struggling, he shines light. Where we feel helpless, he, find, he shines light. Where we feel helpless, he shines light. Where we are in pain, in trouble, and in, in, in trial, he shines light. Where we feel hurting, he shines light. Where we are, he shines light. He shines light in darkness. This is what we celebrate at Christmas. That in the midst of everything that we go through, there is a God of brilliance and radiance who shines grace and mercy into our hearts and into our minds, into our marriages, into our families, into our homes, into our church, our community, and this world. He shines light. What a beautiful night that was. Night sky, probably not a more brilliant night ever in the history of the entire world. Let's stand. Lord, what a holy night that was when you did come into this world where your son was born, that we may have hope, that we may have peace in all of our distress, that we may have the forgiveness of sins, and that we may receive eternal life. Thank you for that holy night. In Jesus' name, amen. Long.
sin and error pining till he appears and the soul felt its worth.
next scripture is from John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So I remember this a couple years ago, um, watching TV, and found myself watching this show about UFOs. So clearly there was nothing else to watch on the two that evening, and I, I, I stopped there, and I'm just watching this thing, and um, there, there are these people that are being interviewed uh, because they claim, they believe that they've seen, encountered some kind of UFO. And as they're interviewing all these people, they, there was a, a commonality to what it is that they were sharing. Um, and they were independent of one another. They weren't together. You know, there are people that supposedly witnessed the same phenomenon from the different parts in the town or the city or wherever they were. And uh, the commonality was this. It's like, well, you know, there's this thing. There's this light. It's up in the sky. It moved kind of sporadically and randomly and erratically. It didn't behave like an airplane. And it was there. And then it's gone. Okay. And then here's what caught my attention. That they all basically ended their testimony with the same thought. It changed my life. It changed my life. Like their worldview was changed because of this light that they had seen. Their perspective about the universe and the cosmos was altered because of this light that was dancing in the night sky. Their life themselves radically transformed because of this light that was bouncing around in the night sky. Now, the thing that's interesting is that that inexplicable random light was here and then gone. In no way did it actually ever communicate anything with anyone. It never made any personal contact with anyone, and it was gone. Well, fortunately, there is a better light, a greater light, a superior light, and we know that his name is Jesus Christ, and he is the Son of God. And he's nothing random about this light. He is God Almighty in the flesh. This is what we celebrate at Christmas. 
through the miracle and the supernatural power of God, through a virgin birth, divinity and humanity were united in the person of Jesus Christ. So Jesus is the God-man. He is fully God, fully man, one person, Jesus, God the Son. And he was not on earth randomly or spontaneously. He was here on purpose and by design. He was here because of a promise that was made. So he came here to be with us. He came to us to dwell among us. He actually spoke. He talked to us. He taught. And he hugged and he laughed and he mourned and he fed and he healed people. And then ultimately he did go to that cross and he took our death upon himself that we may have life. Nothing random about who Jesus is. He is the light of God, God himself coming into this world to give his life that we may have life. That we may be with him, for his name is Emmanuel, God with us. And remember the golden thread. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. I will be with them, and they will be with me. That is why Jesus came into the world. So everyone in this room needs to know loudly and clearly that God loves you. And that nothing that you have ever done can keep God from forgiving you if you go to him. You do not find yourself in any trial or trouble that Jesus cannot help with. Nothing has overtaken you that he cannot overtake. He is God. This is what we celebrate at Christmas. We see it in John chapter 1, verse 4, as it was just read. He is life, and so he offers life he offers everything that we need breath in our lungs hope in our hearts the restoration of our soul in a secure future everything is found in this celebration of christmas so i ask and i implore if you're here and you've never trusted in the name of jesus that you would trust him that you would give your life and that you would follow him he's not inexplicable He may be incomprehensible, but he's not inexplicable. We know who that baby was. We know what he grew up to do. And we know that all hope is found in him. Let's stand. Lord, I thank you again. I'm going to thank you all morning, all day. I'm going to thank you the rest of my life and into eternity for what it is that we celebrate at Christmas. The birth of your son. It is you yourself coming into this world. And what a celebration this should be. What a reminder this should be. This should lift our spirit. This should bring a smile to our face to know that we can come to you in humility and in faith and trust our lives to you, and then nothing can remove us from your hand. Lord, you are good and you are gracious. You love us. You love us. You love us. Thank you for what it is that we celebrate at Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen.
Verses 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And then from Revelation 22, 5, And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. So one day, when uh, my little Edie was like four or five years old, uh, she asked me a profound theological question, a very deep question. She asked me, Daddy, is there going to be nighttime in heaven? And I said, well, no, actually, no, there won't be because God in his glory, in his light, and it's just, there's going to be no nighttime. It's just going to be light, the, you know, God's light all the time. And her response to that news was like, oh, man. I'm going to be so tired all of the time. <laughs> and that's funny, but I mean, the, the truth of it is, like, this is the promise. Like, this, this, this is the spectacle of Christmas. That because God came into the world, and because Jesus is God, and because he went to that cross, and he died for our sin, and he laid him in the tomb, and on the third day, he rose again. Because of that... There is a day coming when all who place their faith in him are going to be gathered unto the Lord. And there's going to be no more darkness. Those of us have been called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And his grace is going to shine. The, the beauty of the countenance, countenance of his face is going to like shine and radiate down. And I, I can't wait until that day where God himself reaches down and just wipes the tears off. In got cancer, gone. Broken heart, gone. Messed up past, it's gone. Mistake, what mistake? Depressed, it's gone. And it's going to fade away, all of it. And all that will be left is glory and bliss and rest, perfection. Why? Because God made a promise and he kept it. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. A promise made and ultimately a promise 
that will be kept. Our hope is not in this world. It is not of this world. It's not. Like, there is so much more than what is just this. This is not as good as it gets. For anyone who believes in Jesus and follows Christ, this is as bad as it gets. This is, for anyone who places their faith in Jesus, this is as close to hell as we ever get. There's so much more. Like, what he has promised and guaranteed by his grace is so much better. And yeah, it's hard, and there are tears here, and it's heartbreaking, and it's backbreaking. But in the Lord, there is so much to look forward to. So at Christmas, we sing with joy, with expectation, with anticipation that one day this world will cease to be as it is, and all who know Jesus are going to be gathered unto him. He will be our God. We will be his people. He will be with us. We will be with him. And we're going to be smiling 24 hours a day in sunshine. Thank you, Lord, again for this morning. I thank you, Lord, for the celebration that is Christmas, that is the celebration of the gift of your son. Lord, let us not lose sight of that during this holiday. Let us not confuse it with what the world says. Lord, let us keep our eyes focused upon that which is our hope, that all life is found in Christ alone. And pray this in his matchless name. Amen. In Christ alone my hope is found. He is the light, my stream, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What hearts of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving cease. My comforter, my all and all, here in the love of Christ. I'll stand oh, 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 oh. in Christ alone who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless being, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on that cross where Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid, here in the death of Christ we live. Light of the world in dark, then bursting forth in glorious days, out from the grave he rose again, and as he stands in victory, 
Jesus. Day. 